What is up, everyone? Welcome back to episode four of Breaking Into and Out of Wall Street. Super excited on this episode. I have my guy, Mr. Josh Hublitz. Josh, how's it going? Good, Andrew. How are you? Thanks for having me. Doing pretty well. So if you guys don't know, Mr. Josh Hublitz is a current investment banker. He is the first guy I will ever have on my podcast that still works in the career path that we're going to be talking about. But in that, he's the current investment banking analyst, and we're going to talk about investment banking and also about, you know, potentially what we will do afterwards if we no longer work in the industry. So, Josh, why don't you uh, kind of, you know, let's go back to the beginning. Why don't you just run through your background? Yeah, like, yeah let's do it. College years and kind of how you decide that you want to work on the great land of Wall Street. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, it's been fun kind of connecting through, uh, you know, social media, TikTok and stuff and just developing a bit of relationship. So I'm pretty excited to be here. Um but yeah, I guess we'll take it back to the beginning for me. My like investment banking journey um, started after I actually did a couple of wealth management internships in college. And I kind of thought that financial advising, wealth management was going to be my route, but um, wasn't as fast paced and sort of competitive as I was looking for. Um, I was a college athlete, played tennis, so I was kind of used to high stakes, high pressure environments. And I remember I picked up um, a book in the library that was, um, I think, I can't remember what it's called at the top, but it's like the, the interview guide to investment banking, just like the most basic standard book. And I just- I was going to say, did you did you read Barbarians at the Gate or something? Yeah, yeah. And, and I just, I remember I was like, all right, I got I to gotta figure out something else. So I just read the whole book. And then I was like, all right, I'm late to the game. I'm a senior. I have no investment banking internship. I'm coming from a non-target school. I went to UNC Wilmington, which is, I mean, if you're on the West Coast, you definitely don't know what that school is. Probably on the East Coast, maybe you've heard of it. So coming at a deficit, I was like, all right, I have some uh, some catching up to do, right? So how can I how can I make this work? Um, and after reading that book, I figured out I'm going to have to really uh, hone in on my technical skills, and I started taking investment banking um like technical courses on wall street prep training the street these are like kind of well known if you're in finance um training course websites for um, anything technical has to do with finance so i spent the better part of that last year in college uh just running through technical courses um that way i could put that on the top of my resume and be like hey i don't have the internship but if you give me a model i could i can crank it out and um and make myself you know competitive in the uh, recruiting process. Um, so I had tennis, right, as my um, as my main thing in college. I was a college tennis player. So I was thinking, okay, how can I leverage that? So I, I tapped into my tennis network and um, had a couple contacts that worked in investment banks. And I was able to get my foot in the door for some interviews in uh, a DC-based uh, um, office of an investment bank, middle market bank. And, um, again, this was over the course of like a year of just bugging, basically bugging people and like nonstop emails mm -hmm. and being persistent. Um, yeah, I remember I went, I went a couple months in between emails where, you know, I was, I was in talks with, uh, an investment bank and, and they, um, were like, all right, this is good. Like, you know, we'll, we'll see if we have some openings coming next summer, but just like stay in touch. And 
I would just get nothing for months and I was like getting really discouraged, but I kept following up and I actually kept sending them uh, work products and like case studies and, and, mm. and models that I've been working on. And I was basically just saying, Hey, just want to let you know, like I'm studying all this material. Like I'm ready when you guys are, if you want to bring me in for an interview, felt a little bit crazy at times, like basically cold emailing people and not getting uh, responses and even following up with people. It's like, are you still on the other line? I don't really know. But um, the persistence was, uh, was one thing that was like, absolutely key. Um, so for the better part of that year, I was studying the materials, following up with these, um, with this one company specifically. And then towards the end of the year, they were like, okay, this guy has been bugging us for the better part of a year. Like, let's, let's let him in. Let's give him, you know, an interview. Let's just bring him in to have a talk. And so I, I took that opportunity and luckily i was ready for it because i'd been studying everything and um they let me then have next round interviews and i got into interviews in the la office i told them hey i want to go to your la office because i really want to be in california and did the super day um, case studies all that and then eventually um, landed a full-time analyst job out in la a couple of years ago yeah, yeah. I, I feel like the story of the non-target, it's always the story of like, yeah, they didn't want to talk to me at first, so I just kind of kept trying. Yeah. And then eventually, I bothered them enough that they're like, yeah. all right, let's just give this kid a try. Let's see what happens. That's like right? the, that's really the genesis of it. Like, I, I literally was just too persistent. So I remember one of them said, like, we can't ignore you at this point. So we're just going to like, let you have a conversation with us. And I know like a lot of people they'll send a couple emails and they won't get a response. And then that's like, they call it a day. And whenever like, you know, interns or, or college kids are, are, you know, asking us through social media now, cause I get a lot of these responses since I've started doing the TikTok stuff, which we can get into later. Whenever they're asking like, what's the, you know, what's the number one thing to do? I'm just like, it's nothing like complicated or crazy. It's just persistence. Like you have to be persistent and have a good attitude. And that can get you like a lot further than, just having the resume um yeah you got to be willing you know to do it for six months to a year and, and go a couple weeks couple months without getting the the answers that you want so that's that's half the battle is like showing up every day honestly yeah i i think it's what's very interesting what i always tell people is that number one not enough people network yeah. especially because of non-target it's something you have to do like your application you submit it online through the higher view systems that shit ain't going nowhere. It's just not, it's not, no one's ever going to see it. I think the very interesting thing about getting to bank is and non-targets that like, and something I realized was I always have to follow up my emails because people rarely respond to like the first email. It's not until you sent like the second, sometimes even a third follow-up, then they're like, yeah, all right, all right, let me get to this guy. And I think that's something I need to tell people and something I'm still trying to learn myself, especially now as a content creator, I'm reaching out to brands and stuff. It's like, if you get ghosted, a lot of times it's not personal. Like they're, they're not yeah. like, I hate this kid. Right. But obviously like don't send like five follow up emails, but I'll say like three follow up emails is like yeah. the place. If they don't spawn at the third one, they're not trying to talk to you, but definitely yeah. send two and sometimes consider even sending three. Cause these guys, these bankers, they're busy. They honestly yeah. like, you see your email, they make a decision the first five seconds if they want to talk to you or not. And then it's like, sometimes it's just like, they have a call about to come up there. Uh, I'll probably just email later. Right. Yeah. And then, 
either to forget or to be honest you're, you're just not that important <laughs> you're just not it's that all important. like it's all timing too like now that i'm on the other yeah. side of it and i'm actually working in the industry timing so important like you'll get an email when you're in the middle of just something that's super pressing and it's like it's the last thing on your list of things to do and you just yeah. uh, personally like it's it's really bad but i just put it like in this folder that i have that's like you know interns or or whatever and it's like okay i'll get to it later but then you just forget because there's, there's always so many things going on it's not personal it's just usually bad timing yeah um, which is why like you send another one and and hopefully you get them in a good time and then you're, you know you're going to be more willing to respond yeah and and I, I don't know about you but because it was so difficult for me to get in contact with people that worked at investment banks I always try my best to reply to emails, especially if I see the schools like a non-target. Like if it's yeah, different yeah. from USC, UC Berkeley, I'm just like, all right, man, <laughs> I don't have to reply to this email. But if it's from like a random school in Texas, I'm just yeah. like, all right, let, let's, yeah. let's hop on a phone call. Like if I don't get a referral, at least let me tell you how you can get one from other people, you know? Yep. Um, but that's, uh, eventually that's like a, a year into a job, I was just like, uh, it's just, it's just a lot of emails to go through yeah i know i was like more inclined i think in the beginning uh to to respond and then i've gotten lazier but i still that's a good point like and that's something else too that i've i've kind of given advice to people is like if i see an email from a tennis you know a d1 tennis player at a non-target school that's like hey i'm you know a tennis player in finance trying to break into banking I know that you did the same thing. I'm going to be so much more inclined to respond because it's like we already have, you know, a shared experience sort of. Um, so to your point earlier in terms of like pushing your network, also like push, um, reach out to people that you have like a, you know, a connection with. Like that's what I, I always say too is like go through your link, go through your alumni network on LinkedIn and, and figure out who's in investment banking that went to your university because that's already a connection experience, a connection. Like you're, you're going to be uh, much more likely to get a response from somebody that went to your university than just, you know, a random kid that um, like, personally, I went to UNC Wilmington, very like kind of niche, smaller school people don't know about. But if I see a kid, you know, that's emailing me from UNC Wilmington that wants to get an investment banking, like red, like, you know, not red flags, but flags went off in my head. Like, Oh, okay. This is, somebody that i am more inclined to help out just because it's me right yeah. so like push your push your network and then find shared experiences with people and like those are the guys that you should be targeting um, yeah yeah and and i think like what i also always tell individuals is that find a connection but if you don't have a connection at least show you did your research on the person's background like yeah. i i I get so many generic emails just like, hey, man, I'm trying to get into banking. You see you work at Wells Fargo. Yeah. Um, I love to contact. It's like I am like the easiest guy to write an email about. Okay. <laughs> if you just literally go on my LinkedIn, it's the easiest thing to write email. Just be like, hey, I saw you're an engineer. Now you work in banking. Seems like a pretty big jump. How did you do that? If you yeah. just wrote that, I probably would reply to you. But some yeah. people just don't even like do the bare minimum. I always say – and – I think just two schools of thought with networking individual, there's a school of thought of saying like, I'm just going to send 500 emails a day and mm -hmm. it's all going to be generic. And there's a second school of thought in which it was the one that I implemented, which was I'm going to write like seven quality emails every single day. Yeah. It's going to take longer. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be more work, but I can get like a 20% reply rather than like a 2% yeah. reply. And also 
it, it just makes for better conversation. It starts out to call better because the person's like, all right, this guy actually did war- research to like look yeah. into my background right than just like I because bankers know when you're saying a bunch of emails to everyone. They can yeah, tell. Yeah. They can tell. Yeah, yeah, and it's it does stand out. Like if you people want to talk about themselves, right? So like if you if you find something, if you give somebody a reason to like start talking about their past experience or whatever, like that's that's already more valuable than just sending like a bland email. Right? Like yeah. if you if you do a little digging on on your background and you you know, you say how did you get from engineering to banking? Like you have a story of how to how that went that you I'm sure have shared before and you're going to be more willing to talk about that instead of just give me a, you know, give me an interview. Like, can I please talk to you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You gotta, you gotta gotta give them a reason, right? Stroke their ego a little bit, you know, that's that's what I say. Play the game. (laughs) Can't, can't, can't hurt. Um, so what, what would you say was, I guess like the one thing, if you have to pinpoint one or two things that like you look back on that, or you're like, this was the reason I got into investment banking. What would they be? I'll give you an example for me. I think obviously everyone needs to know the technicals. You got to network. You got to do all these different things. Um, you got to be hardworking. But I think the thing that yeah. really set me apart from everyone else, and I'll say, I'll, I'll always point to this, and this is why I emphasize this so much on my account, mm-hmm. is my story. I, I feel like I had a great story of why I wanted to get into investment banking, right? I talk about my engineering background. I talk about my pivot, how yep. to discover banking, and what I've been doing ever since. And I think... I mean, for lack of a better word, I just thought bankers ate it up, you know? <laughs> yeah, people's bullshit, yeah. but they, they, they just good. fucking ate that shit up. <laughs> so, like, I know you talk a lot about, like, going through Wall Street prep and mm-hmm. you're following with bankers a lot. I'm assuming you're sending them, like, the work you're doing. Yeah. Like, would you say that was, like, your, I guess, like, the reason you think you got into banking or was it like something the differentiating else? factor. Differentiating factor. That was the word yeah. I was looking for. Yeah. Um, I think it was a combo of a couple things. I think that that definitely was uh, a big part of it right like i don't know if it was maybe typical or normal of of people to be doing the work before they had like interviews or even a foot in the door right so like i i spent 6 months doing uh the wall street prep courses and making my own models before i even had interviews or conversations like in play it was all part of the plan of like i know i want to do this I'm going to have to learn this stuff and perfect it anyways. You can either do it one of two ways. This is what I was thinking. You could wait till you get your interviews and then start to, you know, study the materials and prep. And, or you could know that this is what you want to do, commit a thousand percent to it, polish off everything first. And then when you get the opportunities, you're ready. Um, And I think that that train of thought and the way of thinking came from, my tennis background because mm-hmm. I mentioned I was playing division one tennis, right. And we play the whole season so that we are ready for, um, conference championships and then NCAAs at the very end of the year. And that's, that's a goal that we know is in place and we know is going to happen a thousand percent. It's not changing. It's there. Um, and we spend the whole year saying, how can we get ready for this so that when we have that opportunity to possibly win conference and get into the NCAAs, we're Mm -hmm. ready. So like that way of thinking, I think was natural for me. I don't think everybody thinks, uh, thinks that forward way of thinking first, right? It's like, let me get the interview first and then I'll start setting. So I would recommend like, you know, if you're going into banking, 
you got to commit a thousand percent first because you can't just hope to get like an interview and then say, I'll, I'll figure it out later and, and do the studying and prep. Once I get my foot in the door, it's like, no, you got to, you got to know that this is what you want to do first and ask yourself, like, if, you know, this is really what you want for your career and then commit and, and start doing the studying now before you have the interviews. And it, it's, it's a little backwards, right. And it, it can be a little, um, like feel it could feel hopeless at times because you're you're doing you're doing all the studying and you don't even have like a person that you're talking with for a potential job yet it's like it's a little bit crazy but um again it's just like i was ready and when the opportunity came like i seized it because i was already prepped so i think that was like a big um differentiating factor yeah um, i i i always tell um people who reach out to me is that they're because i i Another common question I get is like, is banking worth it? Should I do investment banking? And I'll, yeah. I'll tell you my perspective, but I'll also say this. It's like, if you're going to go down this route of recruiting for investment banking, you need to be 100% in. This is not, especially if you go to non-target. Yeah. This is not a career path that you can try to get into without 100% dedication. Like you can't yeah. have one foot in and one foot out. It's just, it's, it's not going to work. It's just not going to exactly. work, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And, and you got to do feet in before you even have call in the books right it's like kind of and and again i'm speaking from the perspective of a non-target because you're not getting a lot of looks so you got to know that when you get one you damn sure better be ready right so that was my thinking um and yeah it it luckily worked out but i guess in terms of like the story like you mentioned you had a good story right coming from um engineering like making the switch and it, it resonated with people like that's always like a huge question that you have to tackle. It's like the number one question that every interviewer starts with is like, why, why invest in banking? Like, and you, you better have like a well-crafted story as to why. Um, and yeah, I think, I think for me, it was, it was sort of, uh, what I was talking about before, which is that, uh, had a lot to do with tennis and the competitive nature of kind of how I was living my life and how I was brought up. And, um, you know, you play, you play all these matches and you train and you get ready and you have tournaments and it's like you win a tournament and you move on to the next one. And it's, you're thinking very long-term, but it's like a day-to-day, um, you know, dedication. And that's kind of how deals mm-hmm. are. And I've realized like, it's the same thing, just a different game, right? Like mm-hmm. you sign up for like a, a sell side transaction. That's going to be like a year process. Right. But you're, yeah. you have to, you have to win every single day. And then you reap the benefits like a year down the road. It's kind of like if you're training for a sport at a high level. Um, so that was kind of my story. It was like, this is already how I operate. And this is like what I'm used to doing. It's just a different game, but it's the same mindset. And I think that resonated with people. So relate it to you, right? Like why, if it, if it really is something you think you're, you're well suited for, um, you, you could find a reason as to, as to why it's, um, you know, you think you'd be good at it. And for me, that was, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I always say like true, truly smart people find ways to connect different aspects of their lives. Cause yeah, the world just kind of runs on structures and mental maps, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I have so many experiences. So I'm just like, Oh, this is just like investment banking. Yeah. Oh, content creation. I got to like pump out content every single day. I got to be consistent. I got to show up. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it's like a lot of things, right? It's like in order to yeah. see the result, you got to be consistent. You got to put in the work. And then eventually, hopefully, something shows up. But until right. then, you got to put in all the like work. Yep. Yeah. So you you never did an internship in investment banking, right? Yeah, I, I never have. You one, went straight which, to full time. I went straight to full time. Which That's crazy. That's now crazy. that like I, I have interns and I understand like the importance of the, the internship and like the process and I'm like wow I I definitely uh, was came from a non traditional background like you kind of have to have the internship on the resume right to even to get a response um, so yeah. it's yeah again coming at like a huge deficit I kind of have to find like different ways to sell myself and to make myself marketable so got to get like you got to get creative you got, i think you got to be a little bit more of a hustler coming from a non-target um because some of these resumes i see coming through now like a lot of these kids that are interning with us it's just so impressive i'm like i'm looking at these resumes and i'm like you have two banking internships and a private equity internship and you're like a junior you're a junior i'm like, like you're 14 years old it's like what are you doing <laughs> so these guys are killing it it's like they're probably way smarter than I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's 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 good though. That's good. I, I feel like um you know, if you are graduating without a internship in banking already, you gotta do what you did. You gotta yeah. do the prep courses, you gotta send them the work you've done already, because at that point you don't have internships to prove that you're yeah. you have the knowledge or you have the grit or you actually want to work industry. You have to yeah. make it up with personal projects, right? Personal yep. project would be so important at that point. Yeah. And I actually, yeah. I actually did that on my resume. Like yeah. I put my Wall Street prep, um, you know, uh, technical courses, um, like the work that I had done, I put that on top of my internship experience, even though I had a wealth management internship at like a good firm, because I was like, this is going to be more valuable. They want to at least see that I you know, check the box with regard to technicals first. So yeah, again, little things like that, that I don't know if everybody would, would think of um, necessarily because you want to put your work experience first, right? But that, that worked for me. So could work for somebody else. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of want to fast forward a little bit. So yeah, we you got into banking, you know, yeah. um, everything's great. How, how has your, because... <clears throat> I think, <laughs> like I said, you're you are the individual, the first individual on my podcast to yeah. still work in investment banking. So, <laughs> I kind of want to talk a little bit about that because yeah. <clears throat> you still work in investment banking. How has that experience been for you? How have you liked it? Because I always, I always like to ask question of like, is there anything you wish you'd known before? I guess like you got into the industry, right? Because obviously, as a college student. I was the same way. I realized everyone else was the same way. It's all sunshine and rainbows. You want to get into this prestigious, high-paying job. But yeah. kind of like once you're in it, you know, I want to hear a perspective like, did it hold up to the truth or did you kind of realize there was something else to it that you wish you would have known? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's um, it's um, a mixed bag. I, I would say one thing I didn't know and I was kind of very naive uh, for a long time about was there are a lot of politics and um, – in investment banking and that's just something that you have to learn and navigate and be a little bit cautious of um i would say you you know you're coming in as a first year analyst or you're you're in recruiting and the only thing on your mind is like how can i land this job or how can i keep this job but you're not really thinking for yourself at all and and you're not thinking of um your own well-being or anything that all kind of goes out the window right you're just there to like basically sacrifice yourself for other people 
And there's a fine line between like, you know, doing that to the extent that you're, you're producing good work and you're being, um, you know, available to multiple managing directors at any given time, but you don't want to let it get to the point where it starts being detrimental to your health, like physically or mentally, or to the point where you start getting, um, you know, taken advantage of in, in certain situations. Um, and so, yeah, I, very mixed, very mixed experiences thus far. Um, I definitely had some experiences with, uh, you know, specific, uh, managing directors that were, um, a little bit more, uh, I don't know if abusive is the right word, but maybe it is where it's just, you, you kind of became the, the go-to person and then they, um, kind of exploit that and, um, mm. and kind of run you into the ground personally. And, and you just get stuck in the cycle. And I would say, be cautious of kind of where you put your loyalties, right? You don't want to put your eggs all into one basket with one managing director. You want to make sure you're, um, you're getting deals done and working with people across the firm so that everybody has kind of a holistic view of like who you are, the work product you bring, um, instead of trying to kind of channel your way up through like one individual. That was something that um, in hindsight, I, you know, I learned learned from uh, some pretty difficult experiences um, mm. is an important thing, right? You want to, uh, you want to be cautious, but you want to, you want to diversify your workload and make sure you're working with multiple people so that everybody has a, a um, you know, a true understanding of kind of who you are and what your work product is, et cetera. Um, so figuring that out was difficult in the first maybe year or two, um, year three. Now it's, it's, uh, I, I kind of feel like I've, I've learned from that and, um, and I'm starting to have much better experiences, uh, in, in investment banking because, um, I understand my own worth and my own value, which is something you don't understand in the first year or even as recruiting. Right. And, and the beauty of it is once you get two to three years into your belt, uh, this is why investment banking is great. You can do, you can do like one of, you know, a million things now. I mean, you develop skills that you could translate to anything like content creation. That that's incredible that that's worked for you. It's like so different than you would think than investment banking and finance. So you, you develop skills that you can be used, can be used for anything, but then you also become so marketable just because you have two to three years of banking on your resume you can leverage that into getting like any job that you want, right? Especially in finance, like you're at least going to get your foot into every single, pretty much every single door, right? Like I, I had a, 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 um, a switch recently from, from one company to another, still bank, investment banking to investment banking. But I just remember in that process when I was recruiting, that was the first time that I was really um, exposed to the fact that I had like so much marketability because I, I worked at, you know, a, a top tier middle market investment bank for two years. And suddenly it was like, I could apply to anything I wanted, not anything, but more or less most of the finance roles out there. And I would at least get like an interview. And I was, I was surprised because you're just, your head down, you're sacrificing the first year or two and you don't think about anything. You're just like hanging on to like that idea that you have to, you just have to sacrifice. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, I have, I have options. I have leverage. I'm marketable. Mm -hmm. You know, I have real value. I could take this to any, which firm and, and it's a good feeling. Right. So yeah, all of that to say is keep, uh, 
keep in mind that there's a balance between sacrificing your physical and mental self and, and also understanding like you are valuable, especially after a couple of years. Um, so that's, that's the beauty of investment banking opens a yeah. lot of doors. Yeah. I, I know like the first year is always the worst. And then the yeah. second year it gets a little better. Cause once you start understanding, like I always say like, once you start understanding your MD sleep schedule, it gets a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know when you can go to bed. It's like it's like this guy ain't staying up till ten. Like, I yeah. I already know it. You know, our, our guys are like, oh, this this person stay up to two a.m. Oh my god, that's another I, thing, I, right? Like you got to learn each MD's um like ha- work habits and lifestyle. Like everyone's different, yeah. and you kind of have to cater to to each of them differently. So you learn how to like you learn how to manage people. Um, you know, from like a relatively young age, right. Coming out of college and stuff, which I think is like a, an important skill. You're dealing with a lot of different personality types and, um, yeah, you, you, you do learn how they work and then, um, you kind of know what their expectations are and you, you can deliver to them individually. Um, you know, what, whatever their needs are, cause they're very different. They're mm-hmm. MD to MD is, is very, you work with some that are just super, in the weeds, nitty gritty, like very much need, you know, they, they're very technical and they want everything to be perfect and they're kind of more micromanagers. And then you work with people that are, you know, they're more like high level and they don't really care as much about the details or what, how, you know, how the slide looks. They just kind of want something that, um, you know, is, is overall a good representation. So there's, there's just different, there's different styles and, um, yeah, it's that's again something that I didn't realize. I thought it was all just like it's going to be the same thing every time. It's like no, these are real people behind these deals. You got to like learn how they work and sort of learn how to cater to uh to them. Yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of want to touch a little bit more upon like I I think something that you know, may, maybe you can spread a little advice to like the current incoming investment bankers or yeah. you know, people who just wrapped up the first year is how do you set boundaries at work? Right. How do you set these yeah. boundaries in investment banking? Like, I don't know if you have any mindset tips or any actual tangible tips that you did that were able to set these boundaries. Cause it's all about setting boundaries in a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Cause you can get like, you can get easily overstaffed if you're not right. And you'll, you'll run yourself into the ground. Um, so it's important to, I think you gotta, it's scary cause you're 22, 23 years old. And you're, you're speaking with these, you know, managing directors, which are these prestigious experienced bankers. But I think you have to have those, those conversations and communicate openly about what your workload looks like at all times and keep them, um, in the loop on, you know, the, the deals that you have outside of just their deals. That way they, they're aware of, um, you know, how much work you have, um, cause for them, they're working on their deal and they just see you working on it, but they don't see you working on five other deals. Yeah. So like if you're not communicating um, what your workload looks like, they're going to have no idea and they're just going to make, you know, false assumptions as to why you're not able to get the work done or why you're tired or whatever. It's like, got to have open communication, be as transparent as possible. And, and that's just something that's kind of scary, like as a 22, 23 year old, right? So, that's a, that's a major thing that I would say. Saying no, basically. You, you, yeah, it's, and it's a fine line. Like you want to make sure that you have enough on your plate, but you don't want to have too much to where you can't have quality work dedicated to each deal. 
So um, there is there does come a point where like if you say if somebody's coming at you with like a new pitch they need help with, but you got five six deals on the table, and you actually genuinely don't think that you can like produce good work on that because you'd be too spread too thin then it's it's time to like respectfully say no and let them understand that you have all this other work and they're going to get it right like they don't want you to be uh lackluster and dedicating yourself to something else if you don't have the time or the, the resources to to really mm-hmm. do it like fully um so yeah you you do i've, I've started to obviously you know first few years it's kind of hard but you, you do start to understand how to say no sometimes um and, and just be like transparent with the people you're working, working. Yeah. With. Yeah. Say, say no to the staffer guys. Trust me. It's yeah. If you're overstaffed, you just got to say no once in a while. Just be like, Hey, but, I mean, don't just say no, just say no. Like you said, like make sure yeah. like, just lay it out. You have have your, have... Yeah. have some, you know, points as to why it's like, I have these deals and it, it, it makes sense. Right. Yeah. And if you're, if yeah. you're lazy, then, you know, and you say, no, that's a whole different story. If you have one deal and you say no, it's like, yeah, it's a bad look, but yeah, you can, you can say no if you're completely jammed up, like it's totally normal. Yeah. So I want, I want to fast forward a little bit. So you yeah. have over 500,000 streams on Spotify. Yeah. Am I right about that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably, probably more at this point. I, I haven't updated that in a while, but it's growing. Yeah, it's growing. But- what kind of what kind of music do you make? Let's let's talk a little about uh, yeah. the the musician path, you know, because sure. I think banking is cool and stuff, but I think this is more interesting to talk about. Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> um, yeah, so I um, I've always been into music. I played instruments growing up. I was kind of that kid at, at recess and lunch that was doing like freestyle raps and stuff. Like no way. Cool. Yeah, it was like pretty hilarious. Um, we used to, it, it became a thing. It was like every lunch break, like me and this, one of my other friends, we would, we'd do these rap battles and like people would come out and it was just ridiculous. I hope there's no <laughs> videos of it out there. Um, but yeah, then I got more into music in college and, and started getting into the production side of things. Um, and honestly, it, it was very uh, similar to finance and that like the production is like a very technical skill and learning how to use the software to like to make um beats right like pop or rap hip-hop music um you can get as into it or not as you would like it's kind of like excel it's just the software or like the platform and it's like how good do you want to get at it so um yes college is kind of where i got more into producing i started to produce music for other rappers and some of my friends that were artists um, kind of in the pop and rap sectors right Um, and then in covid i really just had like more time on my hands and more time in my room and i got i think that's where i like developed my skills a little bit more and started to take it more seriously and i i decided to take a a shot at kind of using my own voice because i've been producing for other people and stuff for a while and um ended up enjoying that even more making my own music and just doing all of it like myself it's just more fulfilling and rewarding Mm -hmm. um you know putting my voice on a on a track and just kind of seeing it come to life it was like this is like this is the most like fun thing that i've kind of experienced and i think when when tennis stopped in college i'd done tennis my whole life music kind of filled that void of like you know just the true passion um and yeah, so like more recently, last couple of years, I was like, all right, let's take this to another level. I'm just going to start putting songs out there, which was 
super like vulnerable in the beginning and like very super vulnerable very scary like you know i i came from working behind a computer and like being able to you know kind of be out of the spotlight um but it was yeah it was very scary and then i did it and i put one song out and like all my friends and family and everybody was like super receptive to it and very supportive and like wanting to see more and they all were like i had no idea that you were into this like this is super interesting like can we can we get more music and i was like okay i guess this this went a lot better than expected um and so from there i've just been trying to put out as much music as i can while i'm you know working a really um a really uh heavy hours type job right like investment banking doesn't give you a whole lot of free time but i do the free time that i get i, I try and you know work on my music every week um and yeah, that led to to content creation, which is a whole another mm-hmm. whole another discussion too. Yeah, yeah. How did you how did you get over that fear, the fear of judgment from like fam, yeah. family, friends? Because you know, a, as a fellow content creator, I know you're on TikTok as well. It's something yeah. that took me a long time to just get over and realize that, like, for lack of a better word, if it's if they like it, they like it. They don't. No one fucking cares. Yeah, no yeah. one cares. So like, I don't know how how, how did you kind of get over like that yeah. mindset hump of like putting yourself out? Cause it's it's a very vulnerable thing to do to be like, yeah. this is what I think it's art. Right. This is what I think is what I want to represent myself, my creativity. I yeah. hope you enjoy it. Yeah, right? that's, that's such a hard thing to like, like get over. Yeah, it's the most vulnerable thing you can do, I think, and. I went through this, it was like in COVID, like beginning of COVID um, like lockdown times, I went through this cycle of like six months to a year. I would make songs and I would send them out to like a group of like close friends and I'd be like, hey, like, what do you think? And I just kept doing that and doing that. And like every time they would respond and be like, this is sweet, like release mm-hmm. it. Like, and I just kind of, I got into this weird cycle of just, I had this group that I would just send it out to, but I wouldn't send it out. I wouldn't publish it. And, and eventually I think kind of slowly getting over those nerves where I was getting like small bits of like good receptivity of like the product was, was helpful. But then I actually got so anxious because I got to a point where I was like, am I just going to keep doing this forever? Like not fully like putting myself out there. And I started getting really anxious because I was like, I have 50 to a hundred songs that have never seen the light of day. And like, few people are hearing it here and there like if i don't put this out i'm gonna regret it um so i kind of had to work through it by like sending it to close friends and family and like getting good feedback and building up that confidence um to then just kind of letting it rip and saying uh you know what at the end of the day like people are mostly concerned about themselves so if i put this out there like it's just one person individually that's listening to it or seeing it at a time. It's not like there's a million eyes on me all together at once making a judgment on like whether or not this art is good. And so I was just like, I'm just going to do this. Like I need to do this for myself. It's been a year of just like me alone in my room making music. Like, so I got really anxious and, and I sort of just like hit a breaking point where I was like, screw it. Like, I'm just going to put it out. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah it took a while it wasn't it wasn't easy and then the the content creation and the TikTok side of things too which i'm sure you can relate to was a whole nother sort of like beast to tackle right like putting my Mm -hmm. face 
like and doing like videos and and like TikTok trends and like speaking on camera and getting comfortable like filming yourself like that's a whole nother beast yeah because um, even kinda, with the music right? yeah even with the music i can still hide behind it to some extent that, like i can i can do it in solitude and make it as perfect as i want and then put it out and like not have you like see me or whatever but like yeah tiktok's a whole different thing because you're everybody's gonna see you <laughs> and so there's like kind of no going back from that um so i'm sure you i'm sure you can like relate to that too it's definitely yeah you gotta get yeah. comfortable with yourself yeah it's 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 like i would have never expected myself to become i mean i always kind of want to become a content creator but yeah if you told me like a couple of years ago like you're gonna be doing this like full time full time yeah yeah i'll be like oh shoot that's that's kind of crazy you know yeah um like like i i remember <laughs> I remember when I was trying to quit investment banking, right? Yeah. And everyone's like, my MDs are like, yo, what's, what firm are you going to? You're going to private equity. You're going to like corporate development. <laughs> your exit opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the thing you put in your two-week notice, everyone's so curious. Everyone's yeah. like, yo, what, where's this guy going, right? Is it going to another bank? Is it going to something else? And yeah. for me, I'm like, nah, I'm going to quit. And I'm going to figure room? it out. <laughs> and in the back of my head, I knew I kind of want to do content creation. Yeah, but I couldn't say that. I couldn't say that because like, what, what am I going to do? Tell these bankers yeah. that I'm going to quit my job to go do dances on a platform that's predominantly <laughs> teenagers. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that would sound absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> that's that's ludicrous. That's ludicrous, right? Yeah. But you know what? It's 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 part of the journey. So yeah, as a as we, as we get to the end of this podcast, I kind of want to ask you this question. Then, what is your five to ten year career plan? You know. We're, we're gonna go. We're gonna go with that interview question right now. What? What? God, it's what changed is, so much. <laughs> yeah. What is your ideal five to ten year plan right now? If you have to make yeah. one, because I know we have. We you know we talked a little bit last week. I know like if music takes off, like hell yeah, we want to yeah. do that. So like, do you have a plan of what you want to do going forward, or is it like, yeah, I, I want to stick with banking. I think banking is great. What 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 are you kind of thinking about right now? Yeah, yeah. So I think for the first time, I. I really can't answer that question as well as I could when I was interviewing in college and stuff, right? Like, me I, too. I, I, I know, and I'm just, you know, and again, like I, I also don't care that I can't answer it because I have a little bit of experience. You know, you're a few years in, like I'm okay. I'll, I'll be safe. <laughs> it's not like I have to nail this interview question um, and really know exactly what I want to do. But it was interesting because when I started doing the music. Um, I started using TikTok because I felt like I had to, and I felt like I'd be missing out on an opportunity for basically free marketing. And so originally that was the whole goal with TikTok was just, how can I just drive traffic to my music? Um, but I wasn't comfortable doing dances and doing the cringy stuff that, you know, these teenagers are doing. <laughs> um, but kudos to them because they got the, they got the confidence. So I was like, how can I, how can I do something that is I'm comfortable with that I could do, you know, daily, weekly, that I could put out a lot of content, but it's, it's comfortable. And I started with like finance, investment banking videos and like just doing kind of day to day, like, you know, comedy and like a little bit of humor, like, you know, meme culture with finance. Like I was like, okay, there's something here that I could do to relate to people um 
and maybe people would want to see it. Maybe they'd want to see what it's like to be a banker, kind of tap into the jokes, like the finance jokes, because meme culture is like huge right now in finance. So I just started hosting investment banking stuff and in hopes of driving traffic from that to my music. Right? I'm just going to post my music links on my TikTok. Um, and so then it took, it's starting to take a life of its own where it's like, now I have a whole following of like finance, investment banking, like college interns that are just like, they want to see more investment banking stuff. They want to see the day in the life. They want to know how to break in kind of probably the same audience, similar audience that you have. And now it was totally unintentional, but I have a, you know, a following that's, that's really tuned into the finance side of me. So yeah, the next five years, like, what do I do? It's, it's tough. Cause I'm kind of developing this banking and finance platform with social media, but I have this music as well. And then I'm working this actual real finance job. Um, and I don't really know. I think it's, I think these were all kind of trial runs at like me figuring out what I want to do long-term because content creation is something I didn't know I enjoyed until I just started doing it for reasons that didn't have to do with like content creation it had to do with music and trying to like promote it. But now I actually enjoy doing the, the TikTok stuff. Um, and there's like small opportunities that are starting to come through the door a little bit now with, you know, doing, uh, you know, doing TikToks. And um, so I, I have no idea. I, th I think, I think in the end, what I've always wanted to do, and, and that still holds true, is just have something of my own, have a company. Just, I think that's why music is satisfying to me because doing, making the music, marketing the music, promoting it, it's like I'm running my own little business. And I realize that I really enjoy that. Um, so whatever it is that I'm doing, I think down the line, it's, it needs to be something of my own, like my own sort of baby that I'm, I'm building up. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I think banking is, uh, you just, you learn so many good skills from it. Um, mm -hmm. that it's, I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm very thankful that, um, I'm able to do all three right now, right? Like the, the banking, the music and the, and the TikTok stuff. And I, I just, I'm going to see, I'm going to keep pushing these routes and I'm going to see sort of which one I, you know, I, I fall into, but, um, it's just funny how it happens. You know, I, yeah, I yeah. I, I, TikTok taking off at all. Yeah. I, I think when, when people are 18, I was, when I was 18, it was like, I know what I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. Right. When you're in college, you know what you want to do for the next 10 years. Yeah. And then once you graduate, you're 22, you work your first job, you don't know what you want to do next year anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You start working, reality hits, and you're just like, God damn. Yeah. Uh, man, I don't know if I can do this forever, you know? Um, all yeah. right, all right. Last question. What yeah. advice would you give your 18-year-old self? I I would say be more vulnerable and care less what people think starting now because uh, I only wish now that I had started putting out music when I was younger and and started doing you know TikToks earlier um, and really just like started being comfortable with me and myself um, first and foremost instead of like trying to please others and just land the job because um, yeah, there's just so much growth and there's so much learning that you that you get from being vulnerable and kind of exposing yourself, um, putting yourself in difficult situations. Like I think the growth 
there is is just tenfold and like it's so important um so yeah that's that's what i would that's what i would tell my 18 year old self i I was way too concerned with what other people thought of everything um so yeah it's it's uh it's pretty wild actually it's a good question yeah do do shit that scares you yeah you know yeah if it scares you it probably scares you for a good reason because you kind of want it deep down inside. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what I say. Yeah. Yeah. One thing my, my college coach, he, he always said that like really stuck with me was get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and like at the time I was like, all right, we're in the middle of fitness and we're dying. Like you just want us to like keep going <laughs> and mm-hmm. we do like a workout. And he would say that like get comfortable being uncomfortable because we're physically, you know, dying in this fitness workout. But I didn't realize that he was saying that as like something to take with you, like in life, right? Um, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I, I just think that's like a very um, kind of good motto to live by. And yeah, so to all you, you know, 18 year olds or whatever that are trying to just scrape your way into banking and stuff, like there's there's a there's a lot to uh there's a lot to learn but like have some self-respect and and be vulnerable and um explore these other outlets because you just you don't know where it's going to land you um and it's hard to like it's hard to see forward and think of yourself five to ten years and like i don't know it's just uh i had no idea that like you know i would i'd be making music and and doing this TikTok stuff so and i know you can relate to all that too yeah yeah Try out different things. If you know what try, you like, yeah, try stuff. you have to try stuff, right? Yeah. I'm still trying stuff to this day because I kind of have a much better deal what I like than when I was 22, but it's yeah. it's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process to figure things out. Definitely. Yeah. All right, Josh. Yeah, this was fun. Pleasure having you on. Yeah. Um, I earned that. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to episode four of Breaking Into Al Wall Street, and we'll see you guys all next time. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Have a great rest of your day. You too.